It's a hawk out there again. Log Talk Radio. to another Wednesday night at Stravaganza, the best two hours in a week. In my week, that is, I'd like to introduce our, our legends of Mr. Don Henderson, Mr. Roger Hendler, up in the great state of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Mr. Roy Cummings, and Mr. Frank Carroll. 
and here in the state of Florida. Frank, we have a um, dedication tonight. Take it away, sir. Yeah, Tommy, uh, as you know, last week we asked uh, everybody to have a good thought for a, a good friend of ours. And unfortunately, this is the first year in 49 years that a, a voice, a friendly voice, hasn't opened the uh, season for the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. And we're, we'd like to ask all our, our fans to keep a good thought. Or if you're, if you do um, have a prayer, please have a, a good prayer for uh, our friend Dan Baker, who's recovering from surgery this week. Uh, this is a, a number of surgeries had in the last, uh, the last few uh, weeks, and. Uh, we uh, want to send out uh, all the positive thighs we possibly can for his recovery. Frank, I just want to say that that was wonderful. Uh, as many know, uh, Dan Baker was my best man in my wedding, and uh, mm. he has been a lifelong friend. Uh, we got to know each other when uh, he we were in college, and he replaced me at Channel 48. I went back into the banking business, uh, you know, part-time. And uh, our families are very close, the kids. And uh, he has been through a traumatic uh, long term. This goes back uh, well over a year. And it's all oral. And, uh, but uh, we're praying for him. Uh, it's just a long process. You talked to him the other day, so you know exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. It's not, it's not pleasant for anybody to go through something. Good time. Hey, Roger, how's your health doing, by the way? Coming along, I said to Frank, I uh, three straight nights of having trouble getting to sleep, and I wish Ooh. I could overcome that. Uh, but I think one of the things, uh, is, and I said to Frank, is that, uh, you know, when you're used to being active, uh, and like we all are, and then you're sort of confined, uh, not right. because of the pandemic, but, you know, because I was working up until I developed the uh, health issues. Uh, mm. It's just that, you know, when you come home and you're tired, you have no trouble getting to sleep. But when you've been, uh, you know, sitting around and you go to the store and that's about it, the uh, it's, a, it's a lot different. And I think it has an effect. And, I, you know, and I do take a, a sleeping pill, but, uh, my primary is going to change that, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. Pray for me. I need I need sleep. I need sleep. <laughs> hey Roger, we're going to be doing uh, we're going to be doing once in Warrants with the uh, federal marshals tonight. Uh, if you want to drive down here, I'll make sure you get some running time in. Hey, that's what <laughs> I need, Frank. I'm on my way. <laughs> believe me, you'll sleep after that. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> Oh my! Well, hey Roger, I got an idea for you. Take, take advantage Go of ahead. your insomnia and stay up late and watch some baseball and uh, maybe even some hockey from Edmonton. There's plenty going on right now, thankfully. That's right. <laughs> hey Roy, you're right. I did that last night watching the Dodgers Astros. I see. There that. you go. And you saw an exciting, uh, <laughs> exciting event there. Exactly. You're right. It was. <laughs> Shouldn't be surprised that some of that's going on with the Astros. Some some people will not forget. That's right. That's right. Uh, oh yeah, you're right about that. That's right. Terrible. Roy, we actually seen a live hockey game last night, yesterday afternoon, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. I, I give Batman so much credit for what he did to the the arena and what he's doing to 
you know, the umbrella effect for the for the players up there. And, and what a good good game by Brandon Point this afternoon. Lightning wins over Florida Panthers five nothing. Avaleski looks sharp again, Roy. So who knows what's going to happen in, in sixty days or seventy days? Maybe a Stanley Cup champion called the Tampa Bay Lightning. We have to wait and find out, Roy and Don. Well, you know, exhibition hockey is back. Uh, real baseball is back. Uh, training camps are, are open in the NFL. Uh, they're they're working out in the NBA. They've got exhibition games going. So uh, it, it's one of those unique times in sports history where they're all going at the same time. Uh, it seems right. a little bit like, uh, I guess it seems a little bit like, what, June maybe or May or something like that where everybody's going at the same time, uh, October maybe. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a good time again. It's it's good to know that we got sports to at least uh, turn our attention away from some of the other things going on, which is good. Uh, it's always been a great uh, great way to kind of get your mind off some trouble. But uh, interesting races already going on in baseball. Uh, we'll see what uh, what hockey brings when they start playing for real next week. Um, and football, you know, now we have the opt outs in football. So uh, it's interesting, you know. Um, in baseball, guys, Nick Markakis of the Braves opted back in. So now we've had a play. Now we've had players in, in all sports opt out. Uh, I think Mark, Nick Markakis is the first player to opt back in and say, you know what? I think I'm going to give this a try. I'm, I, I haven't seen anything as to why he's decided it's it's safe now, especially with what's going on with the Mar- Marlins. Which, by the way, guys, we cannot ignore that. Um, we're all excited to have sports back, but. The situation with the Marlins uh, kind of makes you wonder: uh, Are we doing the smartest thing here? And you know, uh, I, I applaud baseball for their their plan, which I think is uh, it's kind of a. I mean, it, and it, it, it's it's not quite this way, but it's kind of every team fend for itself. Uh, you know, you hope for the best, and it looks like the Marlins are going to probably have to dig pretty deep into their uh, into their farm system, probably for pitching more than anything, from what I'm hearing. Um, but uh, you know what? Uh, it, it does make you pause. Are we doing the right thing here? If, uh, if we get just one team with this kind of an outbreak among all the sports uh, that are trying to get back on the field and on the court and on the ice, I think we'll actually be in pretty good shape. But uh, we shouldn't be surprised it's happened. It's just unfortunate that it did. Well, you know, Roy, that's a good point. And, uh, of course, it was a big story in Philly on uh, Sunday night when this all surfaced, but you know I, I wonder whether they they as a team were really doing a good job of controlling things to have so many, which indicates to me that uh, they weren't paying attention. A lot of young guys, and they're not paying attention. It's a good point, Roger. I now look. I I don't have a source on this. I heard someone on the radio this morning here in Tampa saying that uh, talking about how. A, uh, and maybe you guys know about this. I don't know. If you do, let me know. Uh, that someone with the Marlins went out of their bubble, so to speak, went out to dinner one night or went out to a club one night in Philadelphia. Uh, this was last weekend, came back uh, the next day, you know, four guys tested positive. The, the virus takes a little bit longer to incubate than that, but um, – uh, so I don't know if that's the case or not, but it doesn't mean it's not. But, you know, and I don't know that that's even true, but I heard that report. I, I feel, you know, kind of squirrely even mentioning it without a source behind it. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I don't know if that's the case, but 
You're right. Uh, it's unfortunate that this has happened. And, and, yeah, I think probably the Marlins, above all, right now need to kind of look it back. And this is a reminder that you got to follow the protocols that are out there. If we're going to make this work, everybody's got to follow the protocols that are laid out. And, again, I think all the, all the leagues are talking to each other and everybody's um, learning from one another's mistakes. If if you want to call it that, and and what their and their successes as well, and uh, you know I think they're all trying to copycat each other and hope that uh, you know hope for the best here, and and so we'll see. But you're right, I, I think uh, there's a good chance that something went went awry with the Marlins and uh, didn't follow a protocol or something, and, and now they're paying for it. So uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah, well, I would agree with you. Let me just throw in a word about uh, a minute ago. I heard heard. Uh, Roger talking about Dan Baker, and I uh, also would jump in there and just say all the best, Dan. Uh, we've known you such a long period of time. You've done such a great job, and nothing but good health. And uh, uh, going back to your point, uh, Roy, I, I wish him the best. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work. I didn't think it was going to work at the beginning. I don't think it's going to work now. Uh, you know, the Marlins came up with another uh, – Another uh, casually today with the virus, uh, they canceled all the Yankee games against the Phillies. How are they going to make up these games? You only got sixty games. Uh, right. How are you? How are you possibly going to make it up evenly, uh, the way the schedule was originally laid out? I don't see how it can be done. Well, there were discussions today uh, among Major League Baseball executives and owners. Uh, not, I don't think it was the entire ownership group, but probably a, a committee of owners about what we, you know, what can you do at this point uh, for some of these teams that are losing games. And, and so there's, there's talk of one thing they're talking about doing is possibly re- maintaining the 30-man rosters for the entire 60-game schedule. Um, that's not going to help them make up games, but it will help them uh, play double headers, which obviously some teams are going to have to do. They're going to lose some days off here. Um, there are a couple of days at the end of the season that you could factor in if teams are still, if games haven't been played and the teams need to play those games to determine playoff positioning. Um, but Roy, you know, Roy, you could, hold on a second. You got the Phillies and the Yankees that have the four games scheduled. And, uh, you know, how are you going to get them together somewhere down? You may have a couple of days off. I agree with you. What, uh, like, for instance, Baltimore's playing a doubleheader. Uh, you know, how are they going to get – are the Yankees going to travel or are the Phillies going to travel? Who's going to travel to whatever site they have to play these games? I mean, you've already lost uh, the Marlins. You've already lost Baltimore. You've already lost the Yankees. I mean, how many games are you going to lose before you're going to finally say, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> I don't think we're going to get a 60-game schedule in here. Don, well, you're, you're right. And, and, and my guess is that, games. you know – there's a good chance that some, uh, a couple of teams here, uh, the Marlins are obviously at the top of the list at this point. There's a good chance the Marlins will not play 60 games. There's a very good chance that they will play 57 games, and you know unless they happen to somehow be in first or second place in their division and they're in a playoff spot. If they're at right. the bottom of the standings, um, they probably and, and there's a good chance they will be based on the fact that they're going to probably when they do come back next this weekend. They're going to spend the next two weeks uh, arguably playing uh, with a triple-A lineup at best. So there's a real good chance they're going to be at the bottom. And they won't play a full 60-game slate. Uh, but one thing that can be done is, for example, you've got the Yankees and the Orioles playing each other right now. 
those are games that can be shaved off of their schedule and when they met. So that opens up an opportunity for the Phillies and Yankees to play again on a different time. Um, it, it, it offers the opportunity for uh, the Orioles and the Marlins to make up their games again at a different time. It's going to be tough on the Marlins more than anything. But, uh, but again, but Roy, there are Roy how, about, how, about a, how about if the Yankees have four-game schedule against the Phillies or three-game schedule against the Phillies, and then you're going to wind up you know, maybe playing the Marlins, who have no chance, first of all, play with a minor league team, and mm-hmm. you know how are you going to make that even up at the end of the year if you got two teams that are within a game or a half game of first place, and one team has the Marlins to play for the last uh, what three games or whatever it may be, and the other teams has the Yankees to play. I mean, it doesn't make sense. No, it seems like it doesn't, but there's plenty of days in the schedule for days off. There's a good chance the Marlins won't get any days off from this point on because um, those games will right. have to be played. But, again, they'll push them to the end of the schedule, and if they matter and if they mean something in the playoffs, or, I mean, they'll, they'll, they won't push them all to the end. They'll try to make it up when if there's a, if there's a common day off for, the, uh, for, the, for whoever it is, the Marlins and Orioles. Uh, and, and, by the way, uh, of, of all the teams that you could possibly pick to suffer as a result of this, the Orioles and Marlins are probably two of the top picks you'd want because, and I don't mean it from a health standpoint, it's unlikely either team is going to be a contender, even in a 60-game schedule. The Orioles are, are, are not expected to contend. No one expects the Marlins to contend in, in the Eastern, Eastern Division of the National League. So, and especially play in the AL East, uh, nobody expects either one of those teams to contend. So, and again, at the end of the day, if you get to the end and there's five games missing for the uh, Marlins and three games missing for the Orioles, chances are they're going to be six or seven games out of first place anyway, and it won't matter. But I see your point, Don. There is concern, but there are games. There, are, there always is. There's always days, day, days off. Uh, worked into the schedule so the teams can make up games if they have to. The same thing is true here. They can make up games if they have to, and uh, they will figure out a way as time goes on to make those games up if they can. And if they can't, you may have some teams that uh, play 60 and some that play 58, some that play 57. And, uh, uh, you know, it's happened before. Go back and look look through Major League Baseball's history. They've had it before where – not everybody played a full slate of games, and so at some point you might just have to say, "Sorry, you didn't. You weren't able to play a full slate of games." I understand it was kind of out of your hands, but this is the way it works, and uh, it's an odd season. And feel bad that you didn't make the playoffs because of it, but at the end of the day, there's not much every we can do with it. Do with it. Right, exactly Don. Right. What I heard today is that uh, they, uh, there's going to be uh, double headers. I know it's involving the Phillies uh, beginning the uh, first of the week, and they're going to be seven inning games. I don't know whether you've heard about that or not. Yeah, I was, I was going to get to that point before Don started asking the other questions. But and that, yeah, that is the other thing that was discussed today. And they also discussed seven. Not only just they also discussed having one nine inning game and one seven inning game. Um, you know, the okay. old major minor league uh, system was two seven-inning games, but I think they want to make it as true to the, you know, current form as they can. So I think uh, one, of the, one of the plans that was floated is uh, one nine-inning game and then a seven-inning game and, uh, and see how that works out. So 
Yeah, they're working on it, and you know, again, I think you've got to you've got to be prepared to uh, come up with contingency plans on the fly in a situation like this. And look, every sport's going to have to do it. Every sport's going to have to uh, to possibly deal with this and have you know come up with uh, ways to to work around problems that present themselves as a result of this. The easy thing to do would be to say, you know what, bag it. We're not going to play. We're done. Just forget the whole season. But I don't think you want to do that because one team ended up having an outbreak. I agree with Roy about that. I agree with that, Roy. But what's the thing about that is with the with the baseball right now, it's, it feels weird to see no one in the in the seat and to see an empty ballpark. Like wow, we. But like you said before, Don and everybody, main thing is something on TV to watch. It's like corporate corporate people making baseball. Love it because it's bringing back money. Same thing with the National Hockey League. Roy, that game was um, played with Toronto, but you see the, you see the signage on the Pittsburgh side, and then the Philadelphia side, too. There's a lot of good signage up there. Are they going to do that for every every game in that arena, probably, for the, for the home team? Or what's going to happen about that? It's a very good idea by Batman again. Um, I'll tell you, I didn't Tom, catch any of that. Was there a question there? I, I, Tommy, what, I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> he just babbles on, Roy. He just wants people to know he's here. He babbles on. Well, let, me ask you, let me ask you another question, because there's a couple of other really big stories going on today. I know you touched sure. on the Astros-Dodger game last night, which I guess most everybody saw. Dusty Baker's comments on the post-game show were terrific, and uh, – uh, the one thing about that was it's a carryover, obviously, from the cheating scandal. But more importantly, uh, when Kelly threw the pitch, he threw it behind his head, which is the worst thing to do because your normal reaction is to step back. Fortunately, he did not. He went down, did not get hit in the head. and that. But that's an extremely big story. And the other major story today, obviously, is Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I think we got to comment on that because when he held a co- – a uh, podcast this afternoon or this morning, whatever time it was, saying that this is last year in Green Bay. I think that's a big story. Excellent. Yeah, it definitely is uh, a big story if Aaron Rodgers says his last year. <laughs> Look, he's, you know, he's been unhappy for, for a few years now. You know, you, you go back a couple of coaches, he was unhappy then. Uh, he was unhappy last year when they, when they didn't seem to maybe talk to him about some of the things they wanted to do with the roster. Uh, he didn't seem too happy during the playoffs. Uh, you know, or, you know, it just, he, he's been unhappy. I think it's, you know, maybe it's, he just had a breakup with his girlfriend, Danica Patrick. Right. Um, right. Tough times for, for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, but if he thinks he well, can get more money in free agency, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how that works out. But that, yeah, that's big news, all right. Well, the thing wow. he said, and he talked to his agent, and uh, he really showed a great, I thought it was a terrific interview. He, he talked about the fact that he's not unhappy about it. Uh, the club is not happy about it. His agent is not happy about it. He said that you know, uh, Tom made the, uh, the the change from from uh, the Patriots at this particular point. He's 36 years of age. He is not upset that the uh, uh, Green Bay Packers made the draft choice, which he said uh, at 36 years of age is obviously a transition standpoint. Uh, so that's a big thing to to talk about. But he's not unhappy about. It. At least he he spent a lot of time talking about not being unhappy with it. And the other thing is the Patriots, that big story there is that Belichick, they think from a league standpoint that he's convincing these people to, to drop out. He, he's already lost seven players, including Hightower. I mean, 
they're not going to play this year. That's unbelievable. Yeah, he's lost wow. about two or three starters on the defense, defensive side of the ball. I mean, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, they they made you know we we've talked about the Jets tanking. We talked about the Dolphins tanking. The, the the this may this may be a plan for the Patriots to tank this year and set themselves up for a first round draft pick, which would oh could be Trevor Lawrence, by the way. And uh, you know, how's that for a transition out of Tom Brady? We'll take a year and basically say, yeah, you know what? It was it's a wacky year. We're not going to play. Because, I mean, may, hey, maybe they know more about things than we do. Maybe they maybe they know that it's not going to be much of a season anyway, and. Uh, it, it's hard, it's just hard to know, but yeah, some strange things happen in there, and yes, league executives are even saying, uh, or team executives are saying, boy, it sounds like uh, Bill Belichick's up to something here, and, and exactly maybe he is, right, and, exactly uh, right, Roy. That's what they are exactly saying. This right is, is right. yeah, he's up to something. <laughs> and as right. far as you know, Aaron Rodgers goes, he may be trying to force someone's hand. Uh, well ahead of a what you know what would be a, a trade deadline, you know maybe he does. It's hard, you know. Look, I, I still think the Packers are are the probably the best team in that division. A lot of people think that it's the Bears. Um, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, you know, he may feel a little bit differently. Maybe feels, hey, maybe now's the time for me to move on. Maybe it's time for me to move on somewhere else right now. Anybody needs a quarterback, I'll be glad to go. So. Uh, you know, we'll see how that works out. Sometimes these things are uh, precursors to, to what's going on. So, yeah, obviously the NFL, uh, it, it, it's nev- there's never a shortage of news coming from the NFL. And, no, right. uh, this week, uh, they, haven't even, they, they haven't even put their feet on the field yet, and already they're talking about it. So. Well, you got 22 players, good players, that have opted out. 22 already. So, And you're talking, as I said, you're talking high towers, maybe one of those visible one, but I mean, uh, 22 players that they haven't even gotten to training camp yet. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's a pretty big there. number. Although I, I would think that if you're going to opt out, you're going to hear about it now. 22 players is a lot, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, you know, you average it out. It's, it's not even one per team. So, uh, right. you know, and again, seven are on, seven are on one team. So, um, you know, it's not that big of a number, and I would think most people would be opting out sometime here in the next, you know, two, three days, because I don't think you're going to even go through the process of getting tested and everything else if you're not going to play. So uh, they may have had their wave there, and uh, and that'll be it. But, you know, let's see how things happen. I mean, look, it's going to be two weeks before anybody's even on the field here doing anything meaningful. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Pat. Roger, the Eagles so, already uh, lost one. Roger, with, uh, what, what's the what's the uh, sentiment in Philly? Yeah, they they've lost one, and uh, today uh, it showed that uh, they were checking everyone that was. I mean, everybody. I mean, staff, everybody that was coming into the Novacare before they got even uh, on the uh, inside the gate. They were uh, being checked. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I think that uh, I'm with Roy. I think that, you know, there you've got one team. Hey, who's to say some of these guys are saying, hey, listen, if I have an opportunity and I don't have to play for Belichick this year, maybe this is what I want to do, you know. <laughs> hey, you might have hit it on the head, Roger. That might be it. This might be everybody's way of saying, you know what, Bill, I don't want to play for you. I got a chance to opt out. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving away a lot of money, boys. You're giving away a lot of money. 
<laughs> yeah, they are. That's 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 true. There's there is a lot of money being given away. That's for sure. Well, and, and I do understand some of it. Uh, the uh, in in the, uh, the I, I to be honest with you, the NBA and the NHL have done an outstanding job, in my opinion, about uh, controlling this with the bubble and uh, and, and really uh, being on top of it much more uh, than the uh, the other leagues. But you know, football you can control it too. And we've talked about it many times. Because it is like a bubble to an extent. Because when you go on the road, you're all together. You're in a plane. You get into a hotel. You're all together. You go out of the field. You get back on the plane, and you go back home. But in baseball, it's it's very, I think, much more difficult to control. And I think, you know, Miami's a perfect example, you know, where the guys got uh, uh, out on the uh, town and, and, you know, crap happened. That's right. You know, funny, funny thing, you're right about football, uh, Roger, because, you know, the training camp environment is, is a bubble in itself. It always has been. There's so much going on in training camp that the players usually don't have time to do anything. Usually the biggest outing is the rookie dinner or something like that. And uh, but, but usually with training camp uh, in, in the NFL – there is so much going on. Everybody is so busy uh, throughout the course of the day with meetings and, and, you know, practices and walkthroughs and all that stuff. There's no time to go out afterwards. And, you know, uh, workouts begin early in the morning, 8 o'clock sometimes. Uh, meetings are at 7.30, things like that. You know, guys have to be at the facility early on. They're not going to be out at night. So football's kind of got its own little bubble, and I think they're kind of counting on that being the case, that that bubble atmosphere that – is always, you know, in place during training camp anyway, is going to help protect these guys and keep them from getting outside of that bubble, so to speak. But uh, you're, you're right. Uh, the NHL and NBA have it down uh, perfectly. Major League Baseball, I think, has gotten a little bit sloppy with it. Uh, I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of guys. I've, look, I've seen a lot of spitting, a lot of high fives, a lot of the things that supposedly yep. weren't allowed going on. And, um it wouldn't be a bad thing, I don't think, if, if Major League Baseball cracked down on that a little bit and said, "Look, guys, we we got to be better at this." And uh, you know, if if we see more another outbreak, you probably will see that. Hey, well, you know, that. before you go, I wanted just to uh, to bring up you had a, a great point there about the NFL bubble. You know, the Falcons, I think, were really, and I think it goes back to Rankin Smith when they moved to Flowery Branch. Uh, I think that uh, they were very far-sighted. Because, uh, you know, in those days, every, most of the teams were playing at colleges uh, for training camp. I know the uh, Panthers, I think, were at Furman in uh, South Carolina. Eagles were at Lehigh or Westchester, whatever. And, um, but I think the Falcons built, and if you've ever been there, they built uh, dormitories right on the property. So they have everybody inside that fence. And on the complex. And I think that, you know, maybe in the future, that's what you're going to see for more teams. I know some of them probably have done this, but I know in the Falcons case, when they have camp, it's all controlled because the players are staying in a dorm right there on the campus. Yeah, I'll, yeah, you're right, uh, Roger. And it's a beautiful facility there. And, uh, you know, no surprise, Rich McKay's had a lot to do with developing that, uh, that that kind of a environment there and building that facility uh, in Atlanta. 
And um, I'm surprised more teams haven't gone to that. I, I, I guess my guess is that they're probably, there's probably a feeling of you don't need the dormitories except for a certain period of time. You know, just that, uh, you know, four, six, eight weeks in training camp uh, is really the only time you need it. But still, I'm, I am a little surprised that, you know, considering the culture of the NFL, that they haven't, uh, more teams haven't gone to that. Because it is, right now, it's a perfect environment for them. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh you know, what happens usually is the NFL just just puts players, they, they usually uh, take up the bulk of a hotel nearby and uh, and their players stay there. I, I guess they figured that to be a little bit more cost-effective. But, um, you know, Flowery Branch, a little bit different area. So uh, it works for them. And I, I'm like I said, though, I'm surprised that uh, more teams haven't done that. But, yeah, that's like the perfect uh, example of exactly how this year anyway, uh, I'll bet everybody would like to have that. Roger, you talked at the top of the show about the uh, incident with the Dodgers and Astros last night. Uh, I really, to be honest with you, thought that the cheating scandal was over as far as difficulty between the players and the teams. But obviously, it is not over by a long shot. And uh, even though the players all came out on the field, there wasn't any any fists thrown or anything like that. Uh, But to throw a ball behind his head that way, uh, I I just... uh, you know, I can see hitting them. That's fine. I'm all for that. That's that's baseball. But uh, don't hit anybody in the head, as Dusty Baker said uh, after the game. Uh, some of your thoughts on the cheating scandal, and then is it still going to go around? Well, I agree with you. I, and I'd like to hear what Roy has to say. We talked about it a little bit, but I, I thought it was over with, too. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave you guys with this. Here's, the, here's my thoughts on it. I, I agree with everything you guys have both said. The last thing you want to see is somebody throw behind their head. I, I thought, right. based on the fact that it's a 60-game season and there, there's literally no room for error here, you don't want to start giving, you know, giving it bats away and, and, and putting guys on base and being silly about it. And, uh, and I, you know, so maybe that's why you throw behind his head so that, you know, you really send a message as opposed to actually putting somebody on base. But when you throw behind his head, I mean, that's dangerous, as you guys have pointed out. And it was interesting. Lance McCullers, uh, Jr., uh, was quoted today uh, about it and saying how unprofessional it was to do that. Well, I don't disagree with him. But then mm-hmm. how much more professional is it to bang a garbage can and steal signs electronically and cheat the way they did? So, I, I kind of see where both sides are coming from here. I don't think this is the way you want to handle it by throwing behind no. somebody's head. Uh, that's probably the worst way to go about it. Um, I just wonder, to me, the, the biggest question now is, what's the retaliation against the Dodgers? So far, I don't think there's been anything tonight, but um, that may change. We, I, here's the thing. Major League Baseball players have not forgotten. We thought they might, but they haven't. You're That's right. right. 100%. Roy, thank you for your time tonight. Uh, he's safe. And, and I, I, the high, you know, my highlight of the week is, Roy, the local station down here, sports station, you and Mr. Ira Coffin have, <laughs> have a face-off. And that was a great, it was a great <laughs> point you did on, on Monday night, Roy. That's the highlight of my week. So that's <laughs> We've got to get you a better week, away. Tommy, as I've always said. All right, guys, thanks for having me as always. We'll, okay, uh, we'll Roy, thank you very much as always. And, uh, Tommy, we're gonna we're gonna stay with the baseball. So uh, bring our next guest in, Tommy, because we're gonna stay baseball for a while, and there's a lot to talk about. Go ahead. 
Uh, Stevie K, welcome to the program. You know, you're with the, all the legends tonight, uh, Mr. Roger Henry, Mr. Don Henderson, and Mr. Frank Carroll. Stevie K, welcome to that. Steve, I'm going to leave it off with a question for you, right? This is no fans at, at the Jake or Progressive Park. Have the Indians recorded John Adams banging the drum when he, when he gave a couple yes, of scoring positions? Yes, they are. You, you're kidding me. No, oh, no, my they, God. they have a little recording of the John Adams banging the drum and, uh, at Progressive Field, yes. Oh, you're kidding me. That's a, wow, that's a, I, just, I just made my night. <laughs> what else is <laughs> Banging the trolley. <laughs> oh, God. Stevie, how you doing tonight, sir? Did, did you attend any games at Tropicana Field? Yeah, I did. I, was, I did go to one of the games over the weekend. It was a lot of fun to be there, see my friends, and to watch baseball. Uh, just oh. a fantastic experience. Next, next time we can have to tell Dukes, I do my very best, and Mr. Howard, too, my very, very best up there, so. Under the trap. So, what do you what do you think what, what do you think about first week in baseball right now? What do you think about it? Oh, it's been great. Just having the games back has been fantastic. I mean, there's nothing better than baseball for you know for setting a human schedule for a lot of us. You know, you work during the day, you eat dinner, you relax for a few minutes, check your mail, you know, open your mail, <laughs> uh, pay some bills, and then you know seven o'clock or six forty-five gets there and. You settle in for two and a half, three hours of baseball, unless it's the Red Sox and Yankees, then it's four to five hours mm-hmm. of baseball, and you enjoy yourself. That's right. That's right. It was just uh, it was, it was interesting what they – don't sorry, Don. Go ahead, Don. Well, we talked in the first hour, our first uh, half hour, really, a little bit about the incident with uh, the Dodgers last night and the Astros, and, and I don't know whether you heard our last comments. Roger said he thought it was over, and and Roy thought it was over, and I, well, I thought it was over. But obviously, uh, it is not over. And uh, your observation? Yeah, I knew it wasn't over. Uh, I was on the radio here about a week ago, and I mentioned I said the real fireworks when the uh, Dodgers and the uh, Astros get together. They they didn't mince words in the off season. They were very vocal towards each other. Uh, and you got to remember, you know, uh, Joe Kelly. Uh, even though he wasn't on the Dodgers last year, he was on the uh, on the Red Sox team that the uh, Astros knocked out the playoffs two years ago. So, right. Uh, you know, there, there's history with Bill Kelly and the Astros. And baseball players overall are pretty bent about what the Astros did. There will be animosity. I, I'm not sure if the eight-game suspension that Kelly did enough to, uh, to curtail it, but it should do something. We should see it die down once not the Dodgers and Astros. Roger? Yes, yeah, Steve, you know, what was it like uh, down at uh, the uh, uh, the Rays game uh, as far as the players wearing masks, uh, social distancing? Uh, because I watched uh, the weekend series in its entirety uh, in Philly, and uh, I'll tell you what, there was a lot of both, lack of – uh, mass, a lack of social uh, distancing, and uh, and I'd like to hear, hear what what your experience was there. Yeah, it was you know it was okay. Again, I'm a scientist and I don't believe in the uh, the social distancing is a kind of distance thing to me. Uh, I don't believe in the, you know no high fiving. I don't believe in uh, you know having to worry about six foot distance. 
and all of that, or even the celebrating. I don't worry about it. I worry about time and distance. So if you're together for an extended period of time, meaning 10 to 15 minutes within six feet, I'd be concerned about it. And you can see that over baseball, you know. I mean, I know baseball right now is getting beat up because of idiot Marlins and what right. they going on in Atlanta, which broke protocol, the 110-page manual that specifically says live basically in a bubble. Um, but you look around baseball, 29 teams have yet to have a positive test since Thursday, which was, you know, the, the last positive test in baseball. Uh, that includes the uh, 30 players that are in the extended spring training camp, including the Marlins in Jupiter, who haven't had a positive test. And nine of those guys down in Jupiter went to Atlanta for the exhibition game. So what you had was a bunch of idiots probably went out to a strip bar or to another adult establishment of some kind, violated time and distance, and you have one team that has positive tests. But as far as the on-the-field stuff, the, the optics of it, and the you know, you're not seeing the, you're not going to see a lot of time and distance where you're going to have guys together uh, for a long period of time. What I do worry about is the umpire and the tester. Uh, those two are the ones that have the most, to me, are the most at risk because they do spend the most time uh, at a short distance. I hope that explains everything, but that's the reason you're not seeing positive tests from baseball games, why you didn't see positive tests in Premier League soccer or German Bundesliga soccer, um, because you need to be, you know, uh, you need to be together for more than just a minute or two. Right. For it to, uh, Steve. Take my, my point in the first half hour uh, about what's happening now, uh, maybe I didn't explain myself at least the way I think it is. Uh, let's say, the, you know, the Orioles, uh, as, as Roy pointed out, the Orioles are not expected to be a competitor anyway. But uh, let's take the two worst teams of Marlins and the, and the Orioles, and they don't, they don't play the full 60 games. And, uh, but it's not the fact that they don't play the 60 games. It's the fact that the Yankees or the Dodgers, whoever, are scheduled to have played the Orioles or Miami, which is almost an assured win, they're not going to have that win. What's that yeah. going to mean now? We get, we get. See, it's, uh, to me, I think it's totally unfair. Now we're talking about playing <laughs> seven and a half innings this day, play nine innings. Right. We're going to play sure. double headers. Let, Let me ask you something. If you were writing a story about the World Series champion in 2020, it's it's going to be tainted. No matter how you write it, you look at it, you view it. So all the hypotheticals of who plays who or how many games players win. It's going to be even worse than the 1982 strike where some teams played 54 games in the second half, some played 59, some played 52. Um, if you go back and you look at that, that season, the, the, the teams with the two best records in baseball didn't make the playoffs. You know, so, I mean, every season has, a, uh, has its challenges. We just have to look at it as a regional thing right now. You're in Philadelphia. Yep. You want to be in the playoffs in October, and that's what it comes down to, how you get there or however you play. I'm in Tampa Bay. You know, I'm in Tampa. I want the Rays in the playoffs, you know. Regionally, I don't care if you play Baltimore or if you play the Yankees a couple dozen times. Uh, they've expanded the playoffs to eight teams in each league, 
You know, there's 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 little things built in. The big race is, you know, October baseball. And I think as long as we can get there, uh, however you get there, is going to be the key. You know, that's to me what, what everything's about is getting to that tournament in October. Sixteen teams should be a very uh, very enjoyable uh, uh, series. You know, three game series. You know, but one versus eight, two versus seven. Even that's different than anything we've ever seen. So no matter how fair it is or unfair it is, on a regional level, I guess what I'm saying is I guess everybody hopes for the best. That's all you can do, right? That's, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with Steve. That's all, the best that's all can we do. can do. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah it's, just, it's, just so, it's just so strange to see, you know, here's, here's July, Steve, and there we go. You know, just baseball season is starting up. Yeah, the golfer with no fans up there. The golf league has no fans. Soccer kicking up right now, and in the NBA and NBA and NHL finishing up their seasons. This is a this is the strangest year of sports I have ever seen in my life. This is crazy up there. <laughs> you know? yeah, Tommy, I, w- I will say uh, I will say th- one thing that uh, I I like what the Phillies are doing. Um, you know, without having fans. They have a, a program uh, where if you send in uh, your picture, uh, they'll make up one of those uh, picture boards, you know, to put you put in a seat for forty bucks, oh. and it goes to it goes to their foundation against autism. I think that's nice. what it is. That's definitely, I, I think that's a great idea. And also, yeah, if the yeah. picture gets hit by a line drive, you get more, I believe it. And I don't know if it's only, exactly. I don't know if it's just the Phillies. Roger would know that, but. If your picture gets hit by a line drive, more money goes. Uh, I'm not sure exactly which teams they've talked about, but something go, extra goes if you're hit. Oh, that's, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That really go is something, you know. Oh, you know, Steve, what it is, it's making something good out of uh, something that's unfortunate. That's the way I look at right. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same yeah. Here, Roger. Hey, have you, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I tune into every game I can, you know, the 3 o'clock games, the 6 o'clock games. I mean, the uh, baseball is just having it back. And I, I tell people when it comes to all the hypotheticals, you know, and I try not to waste too much energy on the negative hypotheticals because, you know, that there's a, there's a saying that 90% of the negative that you think about in your head never come true. So if you can eliminate thinking about negatives as much as you can, you'll be a happier person. So when it comes to baseball, you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. when you're it right. comes to baseball and people propose these hypothetical negatives, what I say is, I have baseball tonight. I'll worry about baseball tomorrow. You know, when tomorrow morning gets there, we've got some beautiful <laughs> yep. baseball going on right now. I mean, it's a lot of fun right. to watch. You Philadelphia mm-hmm. does it right now. You guys have to wait till Saturday. Uh, which is unfortunate. I'm still well, guys. I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you something. You know, and, and I, I went through this before. Uh, I'm very upset with the Marlins, and I'm very upset mm-hmm. more than anybody with Don Mattingly. And what I mean is, he had one job to do. You know, mm-hmm. his job was was it was to relay a message to his team about how serious it is, no matter where you think you're going to finish in the standing, mm-hmm. how serious it is as an industry to go out and not, you know, go out on the town, not leave the hotel, you know, and all that. And either Maddie didn't deliver the message or his players didn't listen. 
either way, I think that guy's got to go. Guy, great. Mm-hmm. Hey, Steve, how about him to sum up to see you? going to go this year anyway, he will now after this. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, it, just so you guys know, you take a look at how the Rays travel. You know, just to give you an idea because I'm familiar with the Rays. So the Rays went from like a 95-person chartered flight to a huge plane that, that's, that seats 195 people so they could have one person per aisle and stagger yeah. them like that. But then when you land, they have four or five charter buses to go to the hotel that they staggered mm. in one to two bus loads at a time so you didn't have a crowded lobby and that players can get up to their rooms and then the next group can come in. You know, Steve, so, I know the game's the same. You said you were at the Trop the other day. I think you said Saturday you were there for the game. Uh, I saw the game on television. But uh, what was your feeling as the first game you would see with nobody in the stands, uh, just a few, <laughs> you know, the, the employees and the people like yourself in the press box? What was your what was your feeling about it? Well, for me, gentlemen, for me, I do a lot of research during the game. And I mentioned last year I have the uh, – the advanced media on in the in the press box. A lot of us do. We have the uh, you know the launch angle, the the pitch speed, the uh, the exit velocity off the bat. We have all that data, and every pitch we're looking at it and examining it. And we have a lot more going on than just sitting there watching the game. Uh, <laughs> so for me, I have a lot going on during the game, and I usually have a pair of headphones on. I'm listening to the either the radio or the TV broadcast. So all that was normal. I would look at the field, uh, look at my computer, you know, send out a tweet or two about the game, work on the story, and then also do a little analyzing of each pitcher. You know, what, what, what Ryan Yarbrough was throwing, how the velocity was holding, where his location was, and all that. So it was very normal. You know, the normal press guys there, but more spread out. But it was very normal. Well. You know, uh, what's interesting about that, uh, Steve, is that on, I think it was Sunday Night Baseball, John Shambi was in Bristol at ESPN headquarters. Uh, Rick yeah. Sutcliffe, I believe, was in San Diego. And uh, the um, uh, uh, and I'm trying to think of who else uh, was on there. But they, I think they were in uh, Colorado or someplace. It was amazing. Okay that they're able to telecast the game, and here they are at three different sites. Unbelievable, isn't it? It yes, is. It has it. This is crazy. I think they did that a little bit, uh, Roger, too, uh, and Steve. I think they did that a little bit with the Phillies the other night. because I'm sorry, the Mets the other night. Because they had yeah, the well, Mets announcers in one place. The game was being fed by the Red Sox. Uh, so, you know, there was a... a Three different teams, but uh, only one was was actually there. Whether they picked up uh, NBC Philadelphia didn't pick up the game it was from the from the Red Sox feed. Yeah, well, well right the same now, thing happened when the they Rays played the Yankees are at the Tropicana Field game. doing the game from Tropicana Field. That's where the radio and TV are doing the game from uh, from Tropicana Field. The broadcast being you know piped in from the. Uh, Atlanta, but all the broadcasters are at home. Yeah, exactly. And right. That's what right. happened? Uh, Tom McCarthy and Ruben Amaro Jr. were at Citizens Bank Park, but the game, the uh, pre preseason game exhibition, 
was at Yankee Stadium. And I guess that's mm-hmm. the way it's going to be. The uh, yeah. the away announcers are going to be in the home ballpark or the home studios. Uh, they will not right. be traveling with the team. I was going to yeah. say, because the Phillies, uh, Crocky, Crocky was there, and, and uh, McCarthy, they did, uh, I forget which game it was, and I watched the, with the Phillies, and uh, they were on site. They actually were there. Well, yeah. that was the home like, game, Don. That's my point. But if, if when when the Phillies are away, They'll be in Philadelphia, the broadcasters, right. and the game will be away. They won't travel right. with the team. No, you'll take yeah, the you'll take the home that. teams. You'll take the home team's speed. Right. Yeah, that's exactly. probably best. You know, for you know, for traveling. You know, it's the Rays are really strict on how they're traveling and what they do on the road and stuff like that. And it's 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 really good to see that the. Again, I'm going to keep saying it, guys. Until another team has an outbreak, like the like the damn Marlins, I am so upset with the Marlins uh, for what they put baseball through. Baseball has a 110 page manual on how to get through this and what to do. And take a look at you know the Toronto Blue Jays. They left Toronto. They played two games in Boston. Then they traveled to St. Pete, played a series in. St. Pete. Now they've traveled back to Washington and they're playing the Nationals. So you can, and that's probably, I'm using the Blue Jays as an example. They've probably logged more miles than anybody. You know, this so yeah, far. Yeah, because they're not going to play at home, right? They're not right. allowed to play in Canada. Right. And as long as you don't have any knuckleheads on your team that go out and do something stupid, we shouldn't be having <laughs> outbreaks like the Marlins and I, I, I got to tell you, for someone like me that loves baseball and stuff, I am just, I, I can't, I can't get, I don't know if I'm ever going to get over it, you know? I mean, uh, it, it just, it's really disheartening that one team could blow it for everybody. That's right. I know you're I'm a big stat man, Steven. You're, you're a big stat man. And, and uh, what do you think about LeGrom's first start, which was uh, not only from a strikeout standpoint, but another, another alley without giving up a run. Uh, the opening night, obviously, between the Yankees and Washington turned out to be a little bit of a, a, a fizzle. Uh, what, what's your early observations about how some of the players are performing? Well, we're having a little bit of injury bug with the pitchers, and that's kind of troublesome. Um, and I don't know if it's a matter of not getting enough time in spring training, you know, summer camp 2.0. Uh, it's a little bit worrisome. Uh, but there's been some fantastic performances. I mean, I'm watching Mike Soroka now, who's having his second quality uh, performance. You mentioned DeGrom, who is, you know, always a pleasure to watch. Um, and there's been some other ones out there. But you also have some starting pitchers that have a little bit low VLO uh, right now that could probably be built up a little bit more. Uh, I think I think I read from my, uh, a friend of mine, I think 67% of pitchers haven't gone five innings in their start. Mm. So it's, it's very odd right now. A lot of pitchers are just being built up, you know, so after four innings or so they're out. Uh, maybe right. when we talk next week, we'll have another volume, another group of starters that have pushed it to six, maybe six and a mm-hmm. third innings. And we'll have a little bit uh, uh, more to talk about. I know Tommy's on the line. That Indian starting pitching staff has been something to behold. Uh, so Uh-oh. far this year, I mean, they, they have been uh, pretty much lights out, all of them, uh, in every game. Yeah. And that's, that's 
kind of the story. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, but you seem like you guys should go back to the Marlins situation here. Guess sure. who's guess who's the CEO of the, of the of the Miami Marlins? And guess who's the manager of the Marlins too? Guess what team they played for? The Yankees. They should know better how to control their ball players out there. This, you know, you know thanks, so, guys. You know, guys, I, I, also, I also wondered if the lack of any veteran leadership on that team comes into play. When I look at that roster, you don't have a bunch of uh, guys, you know, that have that are there. Like, put it this way, if Curtis Granderson was back on that team this year, like he was last year, maybe maybe they don't have this, you know, maybe they don't have this type of a uh, an outbreak. If, if Starling Castro is back with that with that team this year, you know, if they had the veterans on the team that had been around the block and understood the business of baseball a little bit, you know, maybe it would have maybe it would have been different. Whatever whatever was missing from a coaching staff or a leadership uh position in the locker room, something happened and it shouldn't have happened and it just upsets me to no end. Also how were they traveling? They all pile into a small plane. Uh you know, did Jeter, Derek Jeter take care of how the Rays did with the chartered buses, you know, doubling that up, uh, getting a bigger plane? All of that I would like to know about. Right. I think it would be fair for other teams to know what went wrong with the Marlins because that cannot happen uh, to another team or else we are facing, you know, questions of whether or not we could finish the season at all if it's strictly a traveling thing where one guy got it from a – uh, you know, got it from a flight attendant or got it from someone at a hotel. And uh, if that's, if that happened and it led to an outbreak of 15, 16 players, well, you know, we're not going to finish the year. Roger. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with uh, Steve and it'll be interesting to see exactly. And you know, somebody will tweet out Steve about uh, something and it will come to surface, whatever happened. Yeah, Bob uh, Bob Nightingale's already alluded on the radio and in a few tweets that a few Marlins went out in Atlanta to have a good time. That's the the phrase he's using. Well, the same thing happened, obviously, with basketball because uh, the guard went out uh, and – all of a sudden, he went. He went to a strip club to get dinner. <laughs> I mean, so you, you just have to wonder. You know, I mean, you really, you really do. You, you talked about it earlier. You have to wonder what what do these guys think? You know, it's they self, don't. It, it, they don't think at all. It, you know, it's so selfish to play around um, in professional sports with this because mm-hmm. one or two people can bring down the whole league. You know, that's right. That brings down. That brings down all your teammates' salaries could be affected. It could bring down the, the re- advertising revenue for your team, um, and not to mm-hmm. mention your fans. You know that are hungry right. to sit at home and watch sports. You know you're 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 mm-hmm. basically being selfish and risking everything. I, I I don't know. I don't get people sometimes. Well, when we talked about know. it last week. I think it had all of this week, and your former manager. Uh, then with the with the uh, Rays, and then went on to to uh, Chicago, and out with the Angels. He laid it on the line directly to the players before this thing even got underway. Exactly how they had to how to conduct themselves, and how much, just as you say, how much it uh, contributes to the, 
to the other guys on the team. You're not just doing it to yourself. You're doing it to the other 26, 28, 30 guys that are on the team that are playing. Right, exactly. Well, yeah. I'll give you an example uh, locally, okay, uh, uh, getting away from sports. My son lives over in, in Delaware County in Ridley Park, and mm-hmm. there was a big graduation party. And a lot of young people there, they got very loosey-goosey. And then a number, now this is a couple weeks ago, but now it's all surfaced. So there's a whole group that has uh, the virus. And, of course, Mm. now my uh, son and daughter-in-law are keeping the kids in the house because, you know, you never know, okay? But as my son said, uh, uh, just to show you the stupidity, they don't even think about when they are around an older person who could be very mm-hmm. susceptible uh, to right. the virus because of respiratory issues, whatever. And then to hear some of these kids, the way they talk, they really need to, to uh, be taken out to the, uh, uh, to, to the barn, so to speak, as, in my generation. Well, Roger, yeah. that's happening all over the country because look what's happening. Well, look what happened to Florida. I mean, uh, I don't know what the governor's thinking down there. I, I mean, the saddest <laughs> How in the world could he just let people walk around keeping these bars? And the, and they were going up, what, for – you're there, Steve, I think. They were averaging like nine to 11,000 a day. Yeah, but yeah with the, I mean, uh, that's, that's pretty – Following yeah, the mask uh, thing now, you can see – I mean, every county, if, almost every county in Florida has a mask mandate, and that's the heaviest hit counties have all had mask mandates for two months, you know, but – uh, we're also testing, if you look, Florida's testing between 60 and 90,000 people a day. Sometimes it's 10% of the country that Florida's testing, so of course they're going to have, you know, a high amount sure. of people. Um, but, you know, the uh, uh, the virus went through, you know, the, the sun belt, you know, and it, it's going through California just as much as it is going through uh, Florida and the hard, hardest hit part of California is L.A. County, which has got right. has been locked down more than anybody in the country and has had a mask mandate the entire time. So basically, it's not the, it's not the governor or mask mandates or anything else that you can do. Um, you know, the virus just seems to have a life of its own. Um, you know, then you really can't hide from it. What you can do, though. What you can do is avoid that, and I'll say it to anybody listening, time and distance. You know, um, the more, mm-hmm. the less your distance, the less time you can spend around somebody. It's a very simple equation, you know. You have a dose, which is the virus, and the more time you're next to somebody, uh, you have to lengthen the distance. And it's, it's right. hard to mm-hmm. do, but it's what we have to do, and it's how I live my life. You know, I'll, I'll go to like the grocery store and, I cut my time short. I'll, I'll go, you know, wherever I go, I make sure I, I keep that in the back of my mind. I'm in distance. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, if I'm next to somebody for a minute, okay, great, move along. You know, mm-hmm. if, if I'm next to somebody for more than a minute, well, how can I find a way to get out of being next to somebody for more than a minute? And and that's when you watch sports, you'll see that, you know, the uh, the main thing in sports be that catcher and umpire. That's where my big is, and that's why you'll see a lot of catchers wearing uh, a mask underneath the, the uh, catchers here, which is good. Frank, you were going to say something, Frank. Yeah, two things. One to, to Roger's thing about uh, the parties. Um, 
there was a uh, party at the uh, for the anesthesia department at the hospital of the uh, University of Florida, Shands, and they all went out. Um, they all had a good time. Now there's twenty there's fifty four people in the in the department as anesthesiologists, nurse anesthetists, residents, and um, um, the kids, the students. Of that, 24 of them now have come down with with uh, coronavirus. Now, they, you know, you talk about stupidity. You can't get more more intelligent stupidity than that. Uh, as far that, as right. the mask, as as far as the mask are concerned, uh, under this under state law now, uh, we are to give the. If you're out in a, in a restaurant and a, and a officer or, or deputy comes by, they notice you don't have a mask on. Um, they'll they'll interview you. They'll talk to you. If it's the first time, you get a warning. If it's the second one, you get a ticket to appear and a, and a uh, cost of fifty dollars. If it's the third time, you get a ticket to appear for one hundred and fifty dollars. And if the if it's the fourth time, it's a thousand dollars. And wow. you take a ride with the guy. So That's they are trying to limit it. Yeah, right, they, they right. are trying to, to, to limit it. The, the, the number of cases, new cases, have dropped. Uh, yesterday it was down to 5,000, which is a, a big number. But compared to the 11 right, and 12,000, that's a heck of a drop. And what's, what's right. happening is they're finding that when Jane Castor and all the other mayors decided they were going to have people wear masks, uh, it had a precipitous drop. But you don't see that for six mm-hmm. weeks later. So here we are six weeks after they started that, and we're starting to see now that the, the alarming thing is the number of nursing home uh, adults uh, and the number of deaths that are being reported. Uh, today was a very high one. It was 175. But mm-hmm. uh, 80% of that was uh, at senior adults yeah. who were already compromised. You, you, know that, uh, you know almost every state after 42 days, the – Testing goes down. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it goes up. Right. For, it goes up for a period of time, and then no matter what you do, it goes back down uh, after right. about forty-two days. You know, that only makes sense. You know, I mean, uh, personally, right. I don't think there's anything you can do to stop the spread. You know, to me, it's, it's going to work its way through the population one way or another. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. no matter what you try to do. Uh, the more testing you do, you're going to find out how many people this damn thing has sure. has infected. Mm-hmm. You know, right. once again, uh, what you what people need to do is just avoid time and distance as much as you can. You know, because mm-hmm. nothing else is going to stop the nanoparticles of COVID-19 from going onto your clothes or going onto your mask or going into your eyes or going into your pores. You know, you're going right. to be at, you're you're going to be around it. There's no, nothing you can really do except you know, try to limit your time and distance. And hopefully, you know, you get to a point where more, more people around you have already had it than, than haven't, you know, and that's what mm-hmm. you can kind of look forward to. And right. uh, hopefully, hopefully though, uh, what we have instead of, instead of talking about testing and COVID, which is, you know, just part of life, again, I just let it roll off my back and hope that I don't get it. Um, I, all I and you're careful. Time. You're very careful. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, even if I'm careful, I, I still, you know, like Charlie, you know, like you're going to baseball, like Charlie Morton says, 
he expects to get it at some point, you know, in his life. He expects to get COVID. I mean, as anybody who thinks that you can avoid it by being careful, you, all you can do is delay getting it, or you can avoid it till there's a vaccine, you know, or you right. can isolate yourself as much as humanly possible. But for some people that can't isolate themselves because they have to go to work, even wearing a mask, you're probably going to, you know, you know, probably come in contact with it one way or another. I mean, if you're wearing a mask with face shield and goggles, that would do a good job of, of stopping you from getting it, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. nobody wears goggles, if you know. Steve, let's get back to baseball for a minute. And uh, <laughs> even though it's a very small, small margin of play right now, uh, anything surprise you? Anything you didn't expect in the in the first week and a half uh, that uh, you you thought would have happened or wouldn't have happened or just your your observations overall? Man, so far baseball has just been fun. I didn't know about it. I didn't think I'd enjoy it as much as I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think the broadcast would be as good as they have been, you know, with the crowd noise being piped in and stuff like that. Um, I didn't think that the quality of the broadcast would be nearly as good as it is. But it's, it's very, very good. Uh, that's been surprising. Uh, the amount of interest uh, in baseball has also been surprising. After all the contentious back and forth, uh, baseball is kind of a rage right now. A lot of people are tweeting about it. They're writing stories about it. The TV ratings are good. Uh, so from all of that, everything's been fun. On the field, uh, the ball seems to be jumping a lot early in the year. And I don't know if that's because it's July and the ball naturally flies out of park in July, right. or or what it is, but there seems to be a lot of balls flying out of ballparks. You're using the rocket again. They don't want to lose that rocket they had last year. They want to keep that in. Roger, how about you jump in? Well, that's what I, I agree with uh, Steve. I think it's uh, starting the season in July uh, with the uh, heat, and I know – uh, at Citizens Bank Park over the weekend, because it was the same thing here, it was like 95 degrees. And, uh, you know, when you have uh, some humidity, and I understand in Atlanta it was 95 degrees with very high humidity. And when you have that, the ball's going to uh, rocket out of the ballpark. I'm sure we all agree with that. Yeah. Exactly. Guys, it's, it's, just, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I like I said, I the, the quality of the broadcast has been extremely good. Um and that's probably my, that's been probably my uh, uh, biggest surprise, you know, is is how well they've pulled off the entire uh, broadcast and everything. I don't know how it is in the Philadelphia market, but I know I'm really enjoying uh, the broadcast. Well, I, I think I New York and Philadelphia have all, have really done, all of them have done a, a very solid job, and not only on. Not only on some of the pre-game shows, but some of the post-game shows, as well as the, the games themselves, I think they've done a terrific job. And uh, one and other think, question for me would be: if the first game I saw with a designated runner with the second base was in the Mets game. It was a two-one game uh, going to the ninth inning and, and uh, tied up in the ninth inning. Uh, and and uh, uh, <laughs> the very first uh, the very first inning that I've seen a runner on second base in at that inning. Uh, the game was over, <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can buy that one, and I don't know if I can buy a seven and a half inning game and call your seven inning game 
and calling it a full game. I don't know whether I buy that one either. I hear you. I hear you on that. That's crazy. All this well, stuff the minor league has done it, you know, and, and uh, yeah. you know, I'm I'm a big proponent of minor league baseball, as you know. Right, right. I mean, you know what? I was there for the Rays when they had the extra inning game. It was pretty, you know, or I wasn't there. I watched it on TV. Excuse me. It was it was pretty it was pretty fun. I, I, I you know what? I'm I'm just I'm open to anything as long as we have baseball, as long as the Philadelphia Phillies can continue to pest test pods on negative between now and Saturday so we can get, you know, everybody back up and running by Saturday, I'll be happy. I will, I will too. It'll be, it'll be great. But getting back to the Miami situation, those players are – I still think that, you know, Judas should have went down in that clubhouse along with the – you know, along with Mattingly because these players, you know, they look up to these – they look up to Judas, they look up to these guys. So I, I think Jeter should have put the put the hammer to, to the metal like the NHL people are doing right now for hockey. Same thing for the NBA. Even. But let's hope the Rays keep on playing some great baseball, Steve. And when you're down in the park, tell Dukes my very best, and Dave and his great staff my very best too. When, when you see him down there, Dukes, Dukes is out for the year. He won't be at the park this year. But I will. I, I talked to him. I'm going to be going to breakfast with him soon, so I'll let him know. Oh, just tell me very, very. One of the things that came up last week, Steve, which I, I thought was really very, very interesting, we uh, we talked about the the possibility of of a team being either moved or created in Orlando, and uh, but the, the big point was that I thought was really brought up very eloquently was like, what are we going to do about the minor leagues? You're talking about minor league baseball, but uh, you know you're going to go a few year, uh, uh, a full year with the potential prospects that would have gotten another year either A ball or double A ball or wherever, and that's not going to happen. Uh, and as was pointed out last week, you can't just have the best players against the best players. You have to have a minor league system. You can't just ignore it. Yeah, the minor leagues will come back next year. Um, they, you know, they'll, they'll have it all taken care of by, uh, by next season, and uh, we'll see how the winter leagues look. But, yeah. Uh, you can look for minor league baseball. They will be coming back next season. Assuming that the uh, virus gets uh, handled. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, like I said earlier, I don't. The hypothetical negatives, you know, uh, I'm not going to play that game. I'm just going to say that you know, baseball will be back next season in the minor leagues, one way or another. Good. You know, that's that's my belief and. Uh, I think it's you know more more likely than not that minor league baseball is back. I mean they're playing independent baseball right now. If you guys saw Fernando Rodney just got signed by, to the by the Astros, he was playing for the Sugarland Skeeters. So there's several independent league baseball teams are playing right now, and teams have prospects um, from their minor leagues that are filling the rosters of these uh, uh, minor league or these independent baseball teams. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, again, sports is proving you could play uh, as long as you, you know, handle yourself correctly. Uh, and, and again, don't get me started, Tommy and everybody. Uh, the Marlins really disappointed me. I, 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 I got to get over it, but I don't know if I ever will. I know. I, I'm with you, Steve. It really is upsetting. I will say this, that it was great to see uh, – Young men in the uh, uh, Wawa the other day, 
uh, <laughs> with their uniforms on, and I guess they're playing uh, Babe Ruth or American Legion baseball. Uh-huh. And it was just great to see that. And my, and my oldest granddaughter is playing softball. And uh, we found out, uh, my daughter has uh, told me that uh, we found out that she is a fastball hitter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Steve, thank you very much. As always, uh, every time we have you on, uh, we learn a little something and uh, have a great time talking baseball, which is obviously the the light of your life, and it's great to talk about it. It's always a pleasure. You're the best. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Absolutely, Steve, Tommy. We got we got the next man up. The intercom's not working too well for me, so introduce our next guest, Tommy. I guess we have Mike Simzek on, Frank. Yes, he is. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, well, Mike, Mike, in the house. In the house. Wait a minute, where is he? My, 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 my little nephew just hit a hit a fastball off a tee ball the other day, and there you made go. a single off of it. Hey, hey Mike, let me tell you, when, when I coached T-ball years and years ago, it was one of the real pleasures of my life because to, to teach these kids, and one time they executed 13 outs in one inning, and they knew to, to get the advanced runner, nobody scored, and I was just so proud of them. You know, I mean, they, they just picked it right up. It was great. No, I I, I got to give a big shout out to my uh, my friend Mike Dean out in uh, Kansas City, Nebraska. Uh, City. Uh, his little boy was playing t-ball, and I watched him. He hit his first single. He was so happy. <laughs> I was. <laughs> we can all remember that. Absolutely, absolutely. I... Well, Mike, a lot of activity. Uh, give us a give us a little bit of an update. What's going on? What's the MLS doing with the tournament? Uh, how are they liking playing in Florida? Give us a little update on what's happening. Uh, well, the, the juniors still in this tournament. They play uh, Sporting KC tomorrow in the quarterfinals and. It's going to be an interesting matchup. Sporting KC has, has great offense, but the Union have only allowed two goals in the entire MLS's back at tournament. And so it's the irresistible force versus the immovable object. I'm liking the uh, Philadelphia Union come out with one nil victory. Get on to the semifinals, and then we'll see who they play. Mm. That'll be interesting, yeah. Hey, you know what's sad, Mike? Uh, I'm I'm on TV, and I'm not a big TV watcher, but since I love baseball, obviously, and I have been trying to watch MLS games, and they, you know, like normally Channel 17 would have the union. Excuse me, but because of this controlled environment, they don't. So there's a lot of games that I would like to watch, and I can't because they're not televised. And there are quite a few. Uh, Their last one I had to watch on Twitter by extension. But most of the games are on ESPN and Fox Soccer. 
that's who's mm-hmm. uh, televising game. I was watching a, I watched a great game on Monday between Real Salt Lake and uh, I forget who they were playing, but Real Salt Lake just ended up being a five-two game. Anytime you watch a soccer game and there were seven goals scored. Um, That's the game. That was that was fun. Yeah. Well, that's what they, they when you say that. That's what they look for all the time. Get some goals. They, get some offense in the <laughs> game. Everybody wants that all around the world. I was, I, I was complaining because there wasn't much, a, a lot of offense, and then uh, LAFC came out and beat. Uh, uh, Los Angeles Galaxy. Six two, there was five two game. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, there's goals being scored. <laughs> and a goal in soccer is, I don't want to disrespect Tommy and and people. A goal in soccer is sometimes even more pretty than watching a goal in hockey. Some yes, yeah, some goals like some goals yes, some goals some goals no. I mean. It, my favorite part in soccer when you had that the penalty kick, you know, with the what's the probabilities guys stopping that kick, and also also the windmill kick. Uh, this is amazing what those guys can do with the ball on the foot and the windmill. And the, and I saw a sports center the other night. Some goaltender made a heck of a save. He made, he made a great save up there, and it, it was great to see him. It was great to see him but, do but, that. But so, Tommy, like you have a penalty, penalty shot in hockey. What's the percentage mm-hmm. of the goalkeeper stopping that? Uh, I, that's a great question, Mike. I have to think about that. That's a super question. Uh, Don, Andy, Don and Roger, would have any percentage about that? I, I'm going to say 50% basically in that. So that's a, that's a great question. Mike, wow. let me ask you this question. Uh, you know, we've gone through a, <laughs> an unbelievable hot spell here in, in uh, along the East Coast. I mean, we've been 95 almost every day. Not unusual down there for it to be between 95 and 100. And you pointed out a couple of weeks back that players are accustomed to playing, uh, you know, in, in very warm weather. But has it affected at all that the temperature has been as high as it is and the players have to play, as you pointed out, I think two weeks ago, what is it, 42 hours have to be, 46 hours have to be between games? Any of that been affected by the heat? I don't know the extent to which it has. But they still go out and they they play. I strongly feel like they take into account, like, this is how hot it is. We're going to play. And the next World Cup is going to be over in Qatar. You're going to be playing in 110-degree heat. And you have to go out and play. Hmm. I, I get a Las Vegas Stadium uh, is uh, enclosed, isn't it? Las Where Vegas the Stadium. Are play? Yeah, it, it, well, Las Vegas Stadium is enclosed. Did you see that the uh, the Rams and Chargers just opened up the stadium in uh, L.A. to no fans? Wow! Oh, did they really? This is what the stadium's yeah. going to look like. Have a good view around it. 
can't have any fans no, right, until October at the earliest. Have a good look. Looks like looks like golf. Well, I heard one season. stadium uh, they're going to allow. I think what is it, eleven or fourteen thousand fans? Because some states have allowed uh, fans, but if you have a seventy thousand seat stadium and you have seventeen thousand people in there, you're definitely going to get the social distance distancing. They're all going to look like temple games back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> you brought that up last week. The stage, you know, yeah, off the Those guys are working hard at Temple. Lay off that Temple team. Oh, oh look, I love <laughs> Temple football. Don't get me wrong. Uh, one of the best games that I went to see college football was was uh, the Mayor's Cup in between Villanova and Temple. And then I realized just how many people Temple can dress as a D1 bowl subdivision game versus Villanova as a D1 bowl championship game. Temple had twice the guys that Nova had. Oh, sure. How long yeah. ago was that, Mike? Was Andy Talley the coach at the Villanova then? Oh, I mean, this was about – well, I've been in D.C. Five years, so this had to be about seven years ago. Well, yeah, Tally, well, Tally was there. Was Tally there. was there forever, uh, Roger. I mean, I, yeah, I think he was there like thirty-two, thirty-four years. He was. Mm-hmm. He was. I remember when he came from St. Lawrence because he and I graduated from Haverford High School together. And I, it was funny. I called him up to congratulate him, and he asked me, he "said uh, Hey, do you know? Do you remember Harry Glassman?" I said, yeah, I remember him, the uh, the tennis player, right? And he says, yeah, that's him. He said, what would you think of him? I said, he was a really nice guy. And he said, you know who his wife is? I said, no. It was Victoria Principal, the well-known Beverly Hills plastic surgeon, Harry Glassman. So oh, his wow. former wife is now Victoria Principal. <laughs> Small world, well, don't, Small let, world. let me ask you this too, Mike. Don't aren't they expanding the rosters and letting you make more substitution than on, on, a, on a regular regular season play? All right, so you are now allowed to make five substitutions, but you have to make them at three points in time. So half time doesn't count. But you can only you can make five substitutions. But you have to make them at three points in time, and the rosters have expanded. And this is this is I like it. It gives if you are good like the Philadelphia Union are, mm-hmm. and your roster is very very deep. It gives you an advantage. I've scouted well. I know how to bring in players and the people I can bring in will make a difference in the game. Mm-hmm. Are they, are they, are the, uh, the, those substitutions might have to be done like during media timeouts. No, like if, uh, well, like most substitutions in soccer, they have to be done at a dead ball. Now, that could be done any time. You have 
three opportunities to do halftime is one that doesn't count against you. Okay. But if you want to make a substitution in the 60th, the 70th, and the 90th minute, that's you have three opportunities to bring in players, and you can substitute five. Now, in a game where you have ten outfield players, having the ability to bring in five really changes how you look at the game. Sure. I mean, it gives you the ability essentially to substitute half of your outfield players. Right. So if you're mm-hmm. Philadelphia Union and you've got a 31 member traveling squad and a 24 person game day roster, if you think your roster is that deep, bring them on. Mm hmm. Why are you not? impressed with the tournament so far? Are you are you happy with the way it's being played? And you watch the games on TV, as you said. Are, are you are you happy with the way it's been really put together? I am surprised how happy I am with how it's Ooh. been put together, how it's been broadcast on TV. There is a difference in between watching games on ESPN and Fox Soccer. ESPN tends to go with no piped-in crowd noise. Uh, Fox, FS1, Fox Sports tends to go with uh, piped-in crowd noise. I like it when they have the false crowd noise because actually, and I've had an argument with friends of mine who are also big soccer fans. Well, we get to hear coaches' instructions. Yeah, but I don't actually want to hear what the players are saying to each other. Right. Every once in a while, they say something that's kind of R-rated. <laughs> yeah. hey, speaking about that, guys, I was watching the Rays game the other night, and and with pitcher, the pitch, one of the pitchers, it was, I think they're playing Atlanta the, the other Monday night. They're playing the game of Tropicana Field, and you could heard it was so quiet as a bell. So quiet as the library, I should say. And the race starting pitcher said the four the four letter word, and you heard it crawl across TV. <laughs> it, was, it was like it's comical. Well, back to back back to old time baseball again. But but Mike, I just saw the soccer soccer's been going on, and yeah, yeah. We'll change the subject for a minute. Do you think Mr. Alexander Ovechkin can win another cup? Yeah. What do you think about it? What do you think Capitals' chances are of winning something? This was the one per, uh, question I prepared myself for. Uh, oh, you prepared? Oh, think, I think that they actually have a shot, and I'm not going to lie. I would like to be in the position of the Flyers, the Caps, the Bruins, and the where we are not playing qualifying games. We're not trying to get into playoffs. We're playing right. games for seating. The seats, yeah. That's a... And so <laughs> we're going to get three games in. And essentially, we're going to be like three scrimmages against mm-hmm. legitimate teams. And then we're going to go into the playoffs. Even That's if right. you end up 
fourth out of four teams. You had three games against great teams to figure out who you were and what you were doing. Um, exactly, yeah. The Flyers have their roster set. Uh, mm-hmm. Ilya Samsonov, the backup goalkeeper for the Caps, is the only injury non-participant that we know from the Caps. Um, wow. The Bruins are good. Um, Steven Samkos, who you've talked about, Tommy, a lot, hasn't participated right. in regular drills up until now. We're yeah. questioning whether he can come back and play. But think about it from that. Sam, Stamkos has the ability to play potentially two or three games before he has to go into a playoff situation. Right. Exactly. However many, many minutes he gets in those two or three games, hey, by the time I need him to be who he is, He's gotten a couple of minutes in. I know what he mm-hmm. is. I know how healthy he is. Then we can go out and see what he can really do. So, yes, I th- yep. that is to say, I think this the, the Capitals can do it. But they're going to have to go through the Flyers. They're going to have to go through oh, right. the Bruins. They're going to have Mike, to go Mike, through Mike, you talk about the teams like that, the Flyers are young and on the way up. Uh, That's right. Washington, Washington is a team that two years ago won it all, and you certainly expect that they're on the plateau period where it's incumbent for them to win now because next year and the year after they're going to go the other way. So I look at it that way. I think the Flyers are on the way up. The Lightning are trying to recoup from what happened to them last year, <laughs> yeah. getting knocked out in the first round in four straight. Uh, so when you mention those four teams, uh, I think you have to look at it from that perspective. And mm-hmm. I, I, Donnie, I agree with you a whole a hundred percent. Each one of those teams in the top four comes in with their own different set of issues. You know, right? The Caps have played together for years. They won a Stanley Cup last year. The Flyers are the new boys on the block. Mm-hmm. They're not used to it. I will say I give the edge to the team that has played together for a long time. This is why I think the Caps have an edge. Hey, right. That those lineups, those lines, everything about the Caps, mm-hmm. other than the coach, Todd Reardon took over for um, Barry Trotz. That's right. That's a mistake. But other than that, those guys have been together for a very, very long time. Plus, they've had a great All rest period now, so they're going in. They're going in one hundred percent healthy. That's that's another important factor. They're going in hundred percent healthy. They're going to play on some ice, and that's what we haven't talked about. Who knows what the ice in Toronto or mm-hmm. Edmonton in July is going to look like? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question because you haven't, you haven't played a hockey game never, ever you don't know. experienced this. So what <laughs> the ice is going to look like, but I feel like Alexander Ovechkin, once he figures out what the ice is going to look like, 
how it's going to play. Um, once TJ Oshie knows how the ice is going to play, once mm-hmm. those guys, they can shoot those passes over to each because they know where everybody's going to be. They played with each other for three, four years. They know where everybody's going to be. They know what the offense looks like. Whereas the Flyers, they were kind of still getting used to each other. When the, right. Now, don't get me wrong. They were doing great. I, again, I watched the Flyers come down twice in a month to Washington, D.C. and just blow the absolute doors off the caps. That was a good team. So, mm-hmm. you exuberance versus experience and knowing how anybody's going to play. You guys choose what you want to take. That's, that's a great question, Mike. I, I think the guys in the sleeper in Eastern Conference don't laugh at this. I got two teams over there. John Tortorella, when Torch gets in a playoff mode, look out. Another sleeper team up there is the Carolina Hurricanes. Because remember a couple of years ago, they they this you know they had a, they had a they had a good regular season or so so season. They come out of the Eastern Conference, they beat Ottawa and went on to win the Stanley Cup. So anything can happen in these playoffs right now. The whole key of this here is goaltending. For Tampa Bay's case, can Vavileski have a good streak? Can Kucherov skate this year? And not, we're not going playing east-west. Can he play north-south? Can stop at the blue line? Can Stamkos come back? A lot of questions for this Tampa Bay Lightning team. But the main question is, is this, is this Brandon, you know, Brandon Point today had, had, had two goals and, and two assists? Kucherov had a goal, but is this the Kucherov that we know from the regular season we had all those points? He's got to skate this year. Vavilevsky would be a stand-up goaltender for Tampa Bay to even have a chance at making a run for this cup right now, guys. Tom, my question to you is, yes. if the Lightning don't make a legitimate run, if they go out in the first or second round of the, the, the Stanley Cup playoffs, what does that mean for the Lightning? That's a great. That's a million dollar question. I want to answer this, and they, as a part of the media, because you know I work for those guys. But I think right now, I mean, the Lightning got some players right now for for them to battle for the cup. Unfortunately, last year is still sticking in their mind, but they, they're gonna battle for for the cup this year. You got to give John Cooper credit. You got him where the where the point total is right there. So I I think the window is not yet. The window's not yet shut down for the Lightning. I think. This is Brandon Points. This is Brandon Points' team right now. He, he had four points today. He's been leading the pack. This is Kucherov's finally going to step up to the plate right now to do something right now. Babalewski on Mike, the I meant to play. say at the top of the show, and I, I did get a chance to say, uh, apologize that last week Pat Williams was on a roll, and uh, we never got a chance to get to you and talk soccer. So I, I wanted to apologize for that one. Also, oh, Doug, man, Hamilton, Doug Hamilton. Doug Hamilton. And when Pat Doug, Williams gets on a roll, you let him roll. Yeah. I, <laughs> some of those trivia questions were Well, the great. same with Doug I Hamilton. I don't want to. I want to do the. I don't want him to do the same thing. So when Doug gets on the line with Frank, I want to be sure we don't run out his time as well. But go ahead, Mike. Go to it. Oh, oh no, I love if Doug comes in. Hey, I'm all about it. Like my uh, my mom and dad started playing golf 
<laughs> and now I want to talk to Doug about like where should we play? Do they live in the What's DC good? area, Mike? Yep. They live on a gated golf community down in uh, that was designed by uh, uh, that was desi- a, a design golf course down in Delaware. Mm-hmm. A Jack Nicholson designed golf course. It's absolutely and it's great. Like I walk around it. Now I can't play a lick of golf. Last time I played <laughs> golf, the only two ball- good balls I hit were mine when I stepped on a rake. <laughs> oh my god. Where do they live in Delaware, Mike? Middletown? Rehoboth. Rehoboth. Mike always Rehoboth. likes to throw a little humor in every week. He likes to throw a little one liner in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got to prepare for the one liner. I'm telling you, the only time that I hit a good golf shot, I stepped on a rake and hit my own two balls. But, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, that's that's shot that Mike's going to roll. That's right. Continue that's on that I, hit, you know, I mean, I, I, I was in the Army. I played down at uh, Fayetteville. I couldn't get the mm-hmm. ball six feet off the ground. Oh, boy. Too quick in the back. I swing. gave up. That's when I decided whenever I play golf, I'm just going to go and drink beer. No, no. Then try try to play golf after that. <laughs> you see what happens, oh boy. Interesting. Interesting thoughts up there. You I'll tell you, Tommy. Mean, I'm looking more forward to the Stanley Cup playoffs than I am what's happening in baseball right now, or what's going to happen in basketball. I I want to see the uh, hockey well, get started because I, I think that's, I think that's still a legitimate sport. That's really playing for something. So I'm I'm off of the hockey. Uh, uh, the other two sports, uh, basketball. I wish them a lot of luck. They're going to finish the season, then get into the playoffs. But they're going to play so deep into the summer, and and uh, so I think that's going to be a little shaky for them. But uh, I'm really really looking forward to the to the, to the hockey. I think that's going to be the best playoff of all. I agree. To be honest, I want to see what the ice is going to look like up in. Uh, Edmonton and Toronto. We have never think, seen hockey this late in the year. No. Closest you saw it, Mike, was years ago, the Flyers against Buffalo when they, uh, right. the uh, ice was melting and, and it was in the old all. Yeah. You're talking about the fog game. The yeah. Is that two fog yeah. games, one with the Bears and the Eagles and the other with <laughs> Buffalo <laughs> So you're right. Two fog games for Philadelphia. But uh, um, uh, how much does baseball need to reconsider what they're doing after the Marlins and the Phillies series? You have 19 positive COVID tests on the Marlins. And now you're telling me that the Phillies and the Toronto Blue Jays, who, by the way, Toronto can't even play in Toronto. They're playing right. in Buffalo. Are going to come down and play a doubleheader on Sunday. But we don't even know what's going on with Marlins. The Nationals said 
like they're not going to go down and play them. They didn't care whether they had to forfeit those games or not. They said they took a team vote and said we're not going down there and play. we are not going down there and playing. Uh-oh. Well, I'm a great baseball fan. I know Roger's a great ball fan. Tommy covers, you know, the Rays as well as the Lightning. So he's involved in in, in both sports. And uh, but I, I just think this is <laughs> the baseball is just illegitimate to me. I don't. This, I don't. The way they're playing, the, the innings they're playing, runners on. But this is not baseball to me. So I uh, and I know we talked to Roy in the first half hour of the show, and he's. Tickled death that uh, uh, you know Steve is tickled to death that baseball is back. Well, I'm glad to see it back. It's something to watch, but I don't. I don't I'm just not that involved in. It. I want to see something that counts. I want to see the. I want to okay. see the Lightning play. I want to see the cap. I want to see something real that really McKillop. means something. Not what we're seeing now with baseball. That this is a joke. Oh, no, that's just, that's a I just love time. it because we could possibly see somebody put. put to hit 400 for a year in a 60 game season. That's hitting 400. Nothing. Larry Walker hit 440 over 60. Mike, you're not, you're not going to count that as a 400 batting average. I mean, that, that's ridiculous. I want to see if we do. Uh-oh. Do we count that as a 400 batting season because somebody was able to hit a 400? Over sixty games, do we count that as a four hundred season? Well, guys have hit up hit four hundred into the last month of the season. They've been able to maintain it, but they've had a number of players that have batted right around that four hundred mark until you get into the first week of September or whatever, and they drop back. But uh, George Brett, for instance, is one that comes to mind right away. I mean, you're going to talk about a, a guy's going to hit four hundred for sixty games. I mean, who cares? I mean, it doesn't mean that's like saying we're going to count what he did in spring training. Right. Yeah, but we're also going to have a guy who who, who could win the uh, the uh, Cy Young with six wins. Who, who cares? <laughs> who, who cares? I mean, to me, it's a joke. Right. They just want I to get the money for the playoffs and the World Series. They don't. This doesn't mean anything. This is like spring training. To get to the 16 teams to play in the playoffs, mm-hmm. so we can get the television money. That's what it is. It's nothing. It's an exhibition yeah. season. I agree That's with you wholeheartedly. Point. It is about the money. It's about like, can we get to the playoffs? And can we hope that the Washington Nationals and the New York Yankees and the LA Dodgers are all involved in the playoffs? I'm not even right. counting the, Phil- the Phillies because they're like one and two. How you lost two games to the Marlins is beyond <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they did it in style, too. Velasquez. That's right. <laughs> All baseball. Even the Phillies should be able to figure out how to get into a 16 play. And they're still not going to be able to figure out that one. They're still trying to figure it out. It's right. I know everybody else is thrilled at that. At least Bryce Harper's cleats look nice. Uh Yeah, right. Everybody's thrilled at that that baseball is back, but I 
<laughs> this is not baseball to me. This is another sport. <laughs> you right, 100% Don, is, right, is, is, is there going to be an asterisk on this year's champion, whoever wins the World Series? Are we putting an asterisk on them and saying, you didn't play everybody? <laughs> I don't know. They can do whatever they want. What they ought to put is a dollar sign up. Forget anything else. Just put a dollar <laughs> sign up or whatever number you want to put behind it. No, we're, 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 we are – I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying we're all Phil's fans. If the Phillies come out win the World Series this year, are we going to put right. an asterisk on it and say y'all didn't deserve it? <laughs> or are we going to claim it and say we won? Ask, ask, ask Roger. He's right there. <laughs> Roger, what are they going to do if the Phillies it? win the World Series? <laughs> They're going to have a parade, are they? I don't don't think there will be a parade like there Uh has been in the past. That's number one. Are we going to claim it? Well, you're going to claim it, but it's going to have an asterisk, let me tell you. Yeah, you're not going to have a parade. You're right, Roger, because they've even canceled the Mummers Parade, the Thanksgiving Day Parade, and any uh, large functions. Yeah, we canceled the Thanksgiving Day parade. I'm out on that. Yeah. The Mummers parade We're, is a completely different bird. Yeah, my grand, my grandkids are still trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do about Santa Claus because that's where they figure he's coming. He might be the only guy without the virus. He's up at the North Pole. They don't have germs up there. <laughs> right, right. Maybe that's where we I want to all go. I took my to her. First Mummer's Day Parade, and I promise you, you can't make this up. I took my wife to her first Mummer's Day Parade, and the one thing that she is scared of is sharks. And I said, well, we're going over to the Mummer's Parade. You don't have to worry about sharks. Don't you know that when we get on the pat there's a bunch of people dressed up like sharks? <laughs> I am saying, like, there are no people. There's nothing. There's there are no sharks on the Delaware River. That doesn't happen. And there are a bunch of people dressed up like sharks. So we get to the Mummer's Day Parade. This big dude. You can't make this up. We're standing out by uh, a city hall. Big dude comes around. And he has on shorts, and it is like 20 degrees. Right. He looks at me, and he says... His only job is to turn around a piece of uh, scenery on the Mummer's Day Parade. He looks at me and says, man, you look like you need a beer. So he reaches into a cargo pocket on his shorts and pulls out a a big old can of Foster's and hands it to me. And I'm sitting here drinking it on the street, and my wife is like, you can do that here? like, yeah, that's Mummer's Day Parade. (laughs) <laughs> I'm surprised oh, he didn't have a flat instead of a flat. That's, <laughs> that's what I thought. He just looked at me. He was like, "Brother, you look like you need a drink." And just handed me a beer. I'm like, welcome to Philly on New Year's. That's what happens. Roger, Mike, Roger used say. to cover that when he worked at Channel 48. He covered the Bummer's Day Parade from start to finish. I certainly did. I don't know how you could stay awake that long. 
<laughs> Mike, I got I got to tell you, I got to tell you the uh 1967 Army Navy game. I had just gone on active duty and and we were uh, coordinating the buses coming in to the Navy yard from the uh, Naval Academy. I never saw so many flasks come out of those uh, heavy uh, winter uh, overcoats and those midshipmen in my life. I mean, it seemed like every one of them had a flash in their pocket. <laughs> Roger, the one that I'm going to tell you about is the Army-Navy game about four years ago, the one in uh, Baltimore when Army won for the first time in 15 years. Right. right. I had got. Uh, I, I had press passes, so I was down on the field, and I decided I was going to film the midshipmen coming uh, when they won. Because right. where else are you going to be able to do this? Like we won for the first time in 15 years. Mm-hmm. I walked out of it. I, I filmed them coming over, which is I, I will say is the most orderly stadium uh, or field. Uh, incursion that I've ever seen But I'm filming them coming over And I got hit on my right rib I got hit on my left I walked out of there with two broken ribs Holy smoke Man Listen to Eagles game Hey guys let's hang on for a second Thank you This is a tick tick tock up against the clock again So and you better uh, one thing before we leave, Tommy. You better tell my don't don't go to any events because he has trouble at the bummers. He has trouble at the Army Day game. All right, <laughs> you, know, you, you, you better you better stay Dude, home. No, don't don't send me to something because there's going to be a story <laughs> when I get back. Nice job, Frank. Always a nice job, Tommy. Nice to be with you as always. Thank Roger, you, we'll do it again great, next great week. Great night to be with everybody. Uh, God bless. Mike, uh, you got to stay away from confrontations. And Frank, uh, it it is just good to hear that you're doing well. Well, thank you very much. It's a slow, it's a slow process, but with you guys in support and everybody else, thank you, and I really appreciate. God bless and uh, Tommy. Always a pleasure, and it was great to talk to Stevie tonight and Roy, and just a great show. Loved it. Have a great week. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Roger. Well, well, Frank, great job down there, and great job every week. Does it's a great job putting the show together. I can thank Roy Cummings, Stevie K for coming on, and also Mike Simzak, and also our legends, Mr. Frank Carroll, Mr. Roy Cummings in Tampa, Sarasota, Mr. Roger Hendler up in Philadelphia, and Mr. Don Henderson down in Jersey Shore. How lucky can he be? Thank for my family, your family. Have a very blessed week, and keep Mr. Dan Baker and Mr. Roger Hanner in our prayers. Everybody be safe. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces and the men and women of the Police and Fire Services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please don't walk away from them. Please shake their hand, give them, give them a wink, anything you can do to, to make them feel better. Programs are dedicated to those who lost their lives in line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap. Sergeant Thomas Bainger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Kendler, Lieutenant Mike Serba, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman Onofo, Crispin Lakeland PD, Chief Al Hogo, Long Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, 
Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman Brian Murphy, uh, Plymouth Township, PA Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Police Department, Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Jonathan Scott, Deputy Chief, Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Robert Germain, Windermere, Florida Police Department, Patrol, uh, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Department Springs Police Department, Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Kotloff, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Fire Department, Delaware <coughs> State Police Officer Sergeant Rodney Bond, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Ardeth Hope, Wilmington Fire Department, Special Inspector Vinny Galaccio, FDLA, Delaware State Trooper Corporal Stephen Ballard, Kissimmee Sergeant Mac Baxter, Matt, I'm sorry, Stan Howard, Kissimmee Patrolman Matt Baxter, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Bill Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Clay Zerber, Clay County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department, Deputy April Rodriguez, Pasco County Sheriff's Department, Officer Bob McKesson, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, at some time we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly in your fields and the sunshine lightly in your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the hallow of his hands. Good night. God bless and have a great week. And pray.
1999 is responded to his last emergency. May God rest his soul. <laughs> 